You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Mystic, Alex Kaylee, and this is the official MMA Fighting UFC 250 post-fight show live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. We'll be, you may be hearing this a little bit later, but uh, this is what we're, what we're doing right now. But I hope you guys enjoyed a pretty crazy night of fights there was a uh, a lot of naysaying alex and poo-pooing of this card heading in and we even saw some of that in the minutes leading up to this event tonight but the only ones that can naysay now alex are the ones that said you know what i'm gonna skip this one this is a great card was it not it, w- it was a great card i feel like it might have oddly gotten a bit lumped in with the um the i calvillo announcement i think people saw like Al- the i calvillo announcement which is next week that card's next week and then they kind of also said and they kind of added that to like not being super thrilled with the nunez spencer fight and then it just became this whole cluster of like i guess they kind of grouped these first two june events together saying like oh i'm not excited what the ufc's doing and they're kind of just throwing cards together but yeah anyone who took a real look at this 250 card would tell you man top to bottom uh, except for the main event, uh, competitive fights on paper and, and, and lots of potential for highlight reels uh, finishes, which we definitely got a bunch of those tonight. So, uh, yeah, strong card overall. Of course, for those who are familiar with what we have done the last few fight cards, we want to hear from you, ladies and gentlemen, who are watching this live with us. So if you got questions, comments, thoughts, matchmaking ideas, etc., leave them in the comments. And Casey in the truck, we'll put them on the screen. We'll get to as many as we can. But Alex, let's start with the main events of the evening. Amanda Nunes retains her women's featherweight title, dominant performance. She wasn't in any danger at all in this fight against Felicia Spencer with that. She makes some history. She becomes the first dual champion in the history of the UFC to successfully defend both of her titles while holding both of them. I know that's a lot to sort of unpack and process. Saying it kind of makes me dizzy, but overall, your thoughts on Amanda Nunes' performance tonight, because I thought she looked incredible. Yeah, all week I've been struggling to sort of what's the most compact way to say that she did the dual champion thing? Because people go like, what about Daniel Cormier? What about Henry Cejudo? And uh, again, for just to just to clarify that one last time, uh, unfortunately, none of those, neither Cejudo nor Cormier were really given the opportunity to defend both titles while they had them. Uh, they won two titles and they may have defended one of them. But uh, at some point they were stripped before getting a chance to defend uh, both titles, unfortunately. So, yes, Nunez is historically the first fighter to have two ti- won two titles hold them both simultaneously and defend both uh, both bantamweight and featherweight belts. So uh, great job for her. I mean, I mean, her performance in the main event was amazing. It, it didn't make for an exciting fight, unfortunately. You know, Spencer, tough as hell. Anyone watching that is going to give her all the credit in the world for hanging in there. But, uh, boy, it, it was one-way traffic. I mean, the definition of one-way traffic for, for you know, for, for anyone who uses that cliche. Uh, but, yeah, Nunez looked great. It's, uh, it's unfortunately what exactly people expected, except I think some people were hoping uh, she'd be so dominant that she would get a quick finish, put a real exclamation point on it. But the 25 minutes of dominance, there's no arguing with that. Um, really, the only the fight was really one of the only uh, blemishes, you know, if you're looking as far as entertainment value on what was otherwise a great card. I give it, I give the whole card an A minus overall. It just, it just needed that one uh, great back and forth fight, which it never quite had. There were some good fights, but not not a real great like classic fight. And this is kind of like the old compliment sandwich that you get in the business world where you say something nice and then you say something not so nice and then you end with something nice. This is about, we'll talk about the winner, then we'll talk about the loser, and then we'll go back to the winner. So let's talk about Felicia Spencer. She got dominated. No bones about it. But she went the distance. She stayed in there. She made it to the final horn, despite everyone saying that they should stop the fight. 
Now, one of the concerning things I was heading, people were talking about heading into this fight, and I talked about this with Jose moments ago and on the preview show, is that people were, were messaging me on social media saying, oh, why are they putting her in this fight now? This could stunt her growth. Yeah, we get she's the number one contender, but let's hold off on Felicia Spencer. Let's let her get a little bit better and then match her up with Nunez because this pro- fight is probably not going to go well. But after that performance, I, I still think her stock rose a little bit because of her grit and toughness, even though the fight went the way most expected it to. Where does she go from here after this besides taking a break? Uh, look, there is really no featherweight division. So uh, where Spencer goes from here, I mean, look, she's already beaten uh, Megan Anderson, you know, uh, the other kind of name featherweight that most fans are familiar with at this point. So you kind of have to throw her um, some lesser known people, maybe some of the women uh, from the that season of the Ultimate Fighter that were uh, the, that had featherweight women. The most of them turned out to be bantamweights. Maybe you can convince one of them. Otherwise. Otherwise, you have to. Oh, sorry, I had my thing go out there for a second. Otherwise, I think you have to start bringing in people from outside the organization. There's just a lot of, again, featherweight is just not one of the deepest divisions. It doesn't matter where you look. It doesn't matter what organization you look at. Um, even Bellator, they have a division. It's not. It's not super deep. So, uh, you you kind of have to do that for Spencer, which is fine. I, I think it's cool to find her um, opponents who are obviously a big step down from some of the best that she's fought at 145, but to kind of showcase her strengths again, build her up again. And, and who knows in the future, uh, what we see for Spencer, but yeah, super tough, uh, just skill wise, you know, no, no, nowhere near as well-rounded as, as Nunez, the champ. And probably the more interesting question right now coming off that performance is we have Amanda Nunez, who is the greatest women's MMA fighter of all time. She's one of the greatest fighters of all time at this point. And she's in a very interesting position because she has pretty much cleaned out two entire divisions. Like there's there's other names that she hasn't fought yet. But in terms of like the toughest competition she'll probably face up to this point, she's seen them all. She's beat them all. What else can she do? I know she's about to take on a new challenge of parenthood as a parent myself that is a challenge in itself what the hell is left for her to do right now in fighting in either of these divisions like if you had to pick one person to fight her right now who would you pick uh i'm gonna pick the name that dana white seems resistant to i don't know why he's very insistent on not making the valentina shevchenko rematch Look, uh, I get, I get it. Yes, uh, Nunez is two and zero against Shevchenko, so that's fine. That's that's she's convincingly up in the series. Though there are many who would dispute uh, that Shevchenko may have won their second fight. Our own Jed Mashu will will sing that till the cows come home. He's he's a huge uh, uh, Shevchenko beat Nunez supporter, uh, but I do think that's the most reasonable fight Shevchenko wanted. I think Nunez would be open to it, and I think there's still a little bit of intrigue there. I will warn people that that. Second Nunez Shevchenko fight uh, to be respectable fighters. That fight sucked. I don't know if you'll remember. It was a terrible fight. So uh, in that sense, I if, Dan, if that's the other reason Dana White doesn't want to do it, I actually kind of agree with that. But I mean, as far as name value and how good the fighters are and where and and where they're viewed at uh, at their level of esteem, Shevchenko Nunez three. It, it's the way to go. There's really just no one else that's ready yet. Uh, though Nunez did say she's planning to take time off, so it could be very different by the time she comes back. Oh, we lost your audio, Mike. Yep. Oh, sorry, Mike. We lost your audio. Oh, we lost our audio. I oh you're back. What you're a rookie back. mistake. All right. What a rookie mistake. Right. <laughs> you I are muted back. myself right. and I didn't turn myself back on. All right. Uh, the, so it seems like Aldana. <laughs> excuse me. Oh, hold on. Aldana, the, truck, the, truck, the truck. The truck is truck reset. Okay. Me. So just carry on. He's, he's making the carry on motion. Yes. I yeah. wanted to give you guys some time to 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 digest what Alex just said there. Yeah. Aldana seems to be the front runner. We, we got some Valentina saying, someone saying Valentina won the second fight. 
there you go. I mean, I, I'm with you, Alex, because what else is there? Like, I, I just don't think there's another fight that's interesting. Even Dana White said something that Zhang Wei Li is closer to getting a fight with Amanda Nunes than Valentina Shevchenko is right now, which, believe me, I would love to see that fight. But I found that comment a little puzzling, considering that Zhang Wei Li is, a straw, is the strawweight champion right uh-huh. now, and Amanda Nunes is a 45er who cuts a pretty decent amount of weight to get to 35. I just don't know if Zhang Wei Li can put on that kind of size to make that fight competitive. Yeah, the other hopes are, you know, Aspen Ladd bounces back from that, you know, uh, setback against around me and, and uh, you know, emerges a contender. But she's so young. It's just it's it's even hard to tell what kind of fighter she is at this point. Uh, I'm just looking at some names here. Juliana Pena, you know, a great fighter. But I don't know, again, if anyone really would take her as a serious challenge to Nunez. Uh, I do like the Aldana possibility, but... Um, Ketlin Bayada, unfortunately, uh, she suffered a setback. So, uh, you know, she's back in the, in the contender rankings. They're really, and this is just, that's the top, look at the top 10 here. If you want to go lower than that, then we're really, we're really reaching for, uh, potential opponents. But again, as I said before, you know, who, who knows how much time, uh, Nunez will take off. Uh, it could be, I, I, we, she says her child, you know, her child is, is due in three months, but who knows how long she wants to spend focusing on, on being a mother, you know? It, it might be a whole year. It could be more than a year, right? There's no guarantees. Financially, she seems to be doing well, so she could be out longer than a year, uh, and uh, that could give time for the bantamweight division and maybe even the featherweight uh, division to, to bring up some new challengers. But, uh, yeah, right now in the immediate future, really no appealing big matchups for Amanda Nunez. Before we move on to the remainder of the card, uh, I just want to call it to the truck, see if we could pull up a comment that I just read. Someone that, uh, you know, somewhat familiar with. I think her name was was Esther Lynn. I, I just want to read that again. Esther Lynn says, I wonder if they don't want to book Valentina versus Amanda because the previous two fights were so close, just almost neutralized each other in a way that was not fun. And I understand yeah. that argument. Accurate. Alex, uh, the, the reasoning I think is because right now you have Amanda Nunes, who's a dominant champion at 35 and 45, and Valentina Shevchenko at 25 is like the big draw of the division. Like it's 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 different with Valentina because people just like want to see her just crush everybody. Like they're just like, oh, Valentina's got a head kick KO this girl, a head kick KO this girl. So if you match those two up, you're almost taking out like one of the dominant factors. And I know we've seen the fight a couple of times. They weren't all that thrilling and exciting, but could that be a part of it that that they just don't want to take that allure of dominance away from either of these women? I don't think the UFC has ever been worried about uh, ruining anyone's allure or their <laughs> marketability based on some of the matches that we have seen made. Uh, even today, even something like, an, like well, I should say, Aljamain Sterling's Corey Sandhagen is a bad example because I think both guys had reached the only point where they had to fight each other. So, But there's definitely been times where uh, the UFC smashed up two people, uh, you know, either on a hot streak or, like you said, with a certain level of, of uh, fame or success. And, and it's kind of like, why match them up now? So for me, uh, I, I think Shevchenko and Nunez have reached that end point where, again, they really are each other's only option. So I say I, I'm, I'm definitely in favor of it. And I just say uh, run it back. But again, uh, that's only if Nunez plans to fight anytime soon. Moving ahead, as if the UFC Bantamweight division needed to prove anything at all. I mean, good Lord, did 135 deliver tonight. Even going back to Cody Stamen's win, I know it was at 45, but still what he did tonight was absolutely incredible and pretty darn inspiring, if you ask me. And then we got to the main card, and we got three big finishes in very big spots from Sean O'Malley, from Aljamain Sterling, and then Cody Garbrandt in the co-main event. This was a banner night 
for the 135 pound division tonight, Alex. It's uh, it's unfortunate that Cejudo is retired because I, you really could make a strong argument after tonight that, and this is huge recency bias, that bantamweight is the best division in the UFC. I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it out there. It's got it's you've got your veterans, you've got your veterans, Dominic Cruz, Uriah Faber, Josie Aldo. You've got all these hot contenders with like Piotr Jan, uh, Aljamain Sterling, Corey Sanhagen. Uh, it's I'm, and I'm, I'm I'm leaving people out. I'm forgetting people. Uh, uh, Marlon Moraes. Um, so again, even the guys who lost tonight, you know, there's there's no shame in it. You know, they they put in good efforts. So Brian Kelleher, you know, Brian Kelleher who lost his statement. So I'll say it. I mean, I think it's right up there with we always say lightweight, welterweight. It's bantamweight is right up there with them. It's such a strong division. And uh, yeah, if, if if this was billed uh, as a showcase for this this division. And it, it it connected in every possible way. Every bantamweight fight was eventful and memorable. And yes, I'm counting this again, the Stamen Kelleher fight. So uh, could not have gone off better for the 135 pound division. And I hope by this time next year, we're not talking about unjust title fights. And we're talking about, man, how all these great main events that we saw featuring these names. So let's kind of go down in order here. Let's start with Cody Garbrandt in the co-main event, because Rafael Sunso, as Cody Garbrandt stated multiple times, not the easiest person to look good against, but damn, Cody looked pretty darn good tonight. And we were wondering, what was he going to look like after these three finished losses that he suffered, two to Dillashaw and then one to Pedro Munoz, and then all the time off and the injuries and the stem cells and being hospitalized and all this stuff. And man, he answered a lot of questions tonight. Your thoughts, Alex, on Cody 2.0, as he called himself at the post-fight press conference tonight. I mean, he was so in control. He was so, uh, you know, so patient, at least at least in the first round, using leg kicks beautifully, showing a lot again, showing a lot of that kind of movement and creativity that we saw, you know, in the Dominic Cruz win. It was one of the all time, probably one of the all time great uh, five round uh, challenger wins uh, in a UFC title fight. So he showed a lot of that. He got a little bit more wild. Some might say confident. I would say a little bit wild in the second round. Um, but hey, obviously there was a reason for it. He he sensed that there was a KO as possible, and he loaded. He really loaded up. You know, they caught a, a, a bunch of great angles on the broadcast of that knockout punch, that buzzer beating knockout punch. And he just it was like a guy swinging a baseball bat. You know, he just loaded up and and connected perfectly. I do think. That's the same, though, that the way he got that knockout was kind of the same way that he got himself in trouble in the past. So to be a, a bit of a Debbie Downer, I will say, uh, I don't know how this would work against uh, guys who are a little more heavy handed than Asun Sao. But tonight it was fantastic and produced one of the best knockouts we've seen all year. Uh, it, it was just awesome. You and I work on these on to the next one pieces. So we're not going to give away the whole dinner tonight. We're going to give away like an appetizer right now. So let's start with Cody Garbrandt. Because like you like we talked about, Bantamweight stacked right now. There's there's not a lot of bad matchups out there for Garbrandt against anybody ranked above him in that top six, seven, eight. I think he was nine heading into this fight. So with everything going on, especially up at the top with the title and weird matchmaking and all of that, what's next for Cody Garbrandt in your opinion? I am so, so tempted to throw him in there with O'Malley already. I loved uh, the little interaction we had on Twitter after he got that knockout and O'Malley goes on. He tweets out, you know, decent, you know, kind of a, I'm not impressed by your performance uh, 2020 version. I thought that was great, though. I, you know, I just said we were just saying before about rushing people into things. I do think it's just a little bit of a bridge too far for O'Malley. He looks incredible. I mean, if they put it, made that fight, I wouldn't complain. But I'd like to see, you know, Mally take one more, probably take one more uh, fighter against 
a top, you know, someone in the eight to 15 range, not a guy like Garbrandt, who I kind of still consider to be in the top five and, and certainly uh, might be back in there after this fight. But uh, for Cody, gosh, do you give him, uh, I was thinking Stamen, but maybe Stamen's good for O'Malley. So uh, he's fought almost everyone in the top 10 already. I just hope he doesn't get that the the the, the title fight. I'll say that uh, with respect to Cody. I hope he doesn't one. I hope he doesn't swoop in uh, and fight Jan instead of Aldo. And and two, I hope he doesn't jump in front of Aljamain Sterling. Uh, Sterling is next to fight that winner. So, yeah, sorry, it's sort of a cop out answer there. But uh, for a guy who's fought everyone in the division, uh, the top ten already, it's a bit hard to match him up. Stacy Robinson says Cody Garbrandt versus Marlon Marais. And I'm going to stop you right there, Stacy, because the fight that we need to see is Marlon Marais versus Dominic Cruz. But how about Cody Garbrandt versus Corey Sanhagen? How about we do that after tonight? Ah, the old win- winner versus loser. Uh, loser with, okay, you know, in, in, the, in the, you know, in the uh, most respectful way of putting it, because I mean, Sanhagen, he just got caught by a, by a, super motivated Aljamain Sterling. So yeah, certainly a doable fight. And and Garbrandt, even though he is back in the winner's circle, does have some reputation rebuilding to do. He, this is coming off of three straight losses, three straight knockout losses, and his first fight in uh, 15 months. So yeah, I wouldn't object to that matchmaking at all. And uh, I mean, I know I, I know we don't like to matchmake for guys who got knocked out pretty brutally, Rafael Sansa, but I think Cody Stamen versus Rafael Sansa makes all the sense in the world after tonight. So that's just some nibbles, a little bit of nibbles. Give him a little taste. Just give him a just little, a little taste. taste. Like. Little, one of those little spoons you get at the ice cream store. <laughs> uh, Aljamain Sterling. I mean, good Lord. What else can be said? You you mentioned already motivated performance. He goes out there. And I, and I said this to Jose on the last show that we did. If You could have laid out a thousand different ways that fight could have gone. And Aljamain Sterling going out there and submitting him that quickly and that explosively in the first round. Probably wouldn't have been in my top 1,000 picks. So, <laughs> Aljamain Sterling, what a performance. Your thoughts on how he went into the fight. And even if you want to talk about Ray Janals, you can see it right there. Ray Janals, quarantine hair, which is unbelievable tonight. Maybe even took away from the performance a little bit. What did you think of the Funk Master tonight? I mean, look, I, I picked uh, the fight to go to a decision. I also picked Sanhagen, by the way, so I was wrong on that one. But either way, whether it was Sterling or, or Sanhagen, I, I thought this was going the distance, you know, two evenly matched guys. And we've seen that Sterling knows how to win decisions. Most of his UFC victories have been by way of decision. Um, you know, so we've shown that he has that kind of uh, both patience and also skill to do that. You know, winning a decision is hard. I had never seen him impose his will on someone like this. He just got in there right away and took that back and just dragged him down and was not, and you know, he failed, he failed in the initial choke attempt, went right back at it, was not giving up. It, this was, uh, you know, just a next level performance for Sterling. And if he doesn't get a title shot at some point, whether it's replacing Aldo or facing the winner of the uh, reported aldo Yan fight, it's a travesty. It's promotional, promotional malpractice, as they say. Uh, it's injustice, and uh, Sterling deserves—he's deserved more respect from the UFC for a long time. So uh, this is—they definitely cannot do anything but give him a title shot by the end of the year. Because of the way we thought this fight would play out, we didn't think about just having Aljamain jump the queue and just replace Jose Aldo. But the way he performed tonight, I don't think there's any other option right now. You put Aldo. On the sidelines, match him up against somebody else. Really, like Sterling should be getting that shot. I mean, he went in there, didn't take any damage, submitted Corey Sanhagen quickly. Send him right to the island. Let's do this thing. <laughs> like, stop messing around. Stop playing with our emotions. Book the correct fight. 
I saw someone mention Aldo Garbrandt. I don't know what you think about that. Ooh, that'd be fun. I'm in for that too. Ollie, Dana needs to do the right thing and make Jan versus Aljo as soon as possible. Sterling took no damage in this fight. Very well said, Ollie. Very Agreed. well said. Agreed. That's the fight to make. They're not going to, but I agree. <laughs> no. And Sanhagen, <laughs> I mean, he's very young. This loss stings today, but it doesn't hurt as much as like Aljamain losing tonight. Like if, the, if it was reversed, it's going to be devastating for Aljamain Sterling. It's going to be very hard for him to come back after all the experience he's had in the octagon, the fights he's had, and the, the wins and the losses and the ups and the downs. Sanhagen, he'll be back. He's still very young in his career. He's got a lot of room to grow. We haven't even seen the best of Corey Sanhagen yet. So tough loss for him. Could have been worse. But at the end of the day, he'll he'll learn and he'll grow. And I think we saw that from from a lot of different guys tonight. Yeah. Sorry, just Mike. I hate to use this word when talking about combat sports. But tonight's result was fair because you would say Sterling has paid his dues. Sanhagen uh, still has dues to pay, it seems. And this is this is one of them. You know, you take a loss. His first loss in the UFC, like you said, it's not going to set him back far. But Sterling has definitely paid his dues. He's a UFC veteran at this point and, uh, you know, deserved oh, another horrible word. Deserved and fair in combat sports. But he deserved to get the wins tonight, and he did. So we'll see uh, if he deserves, it gets to what's what's left for him that he deserves. Yeah, Garbrandt versus uh, Sanhagen would be a lot of fun. It would be almost like Garbrandt versus Cruz, too, in a way, in some weird generational way. Let's we'll, we'll, Neil Magny versus Anthony Rocco Martin. Nice win for Neil Magny. How did you score that fight, by the way, Alex? I think I had a 29-20. Uh, I'm sorry, no, yeah, 20, I'm sorry, 29-28 for Magny. I was about to say, Martin. 29-28 for Magny, definitely. The 30-27 was a strange call. I think we can all agree. That's the only outrage. What's really there's some of the only real outrage I saw tonight. Uh, so yeah, there we go. There we have the uh, decision. So, uh, yeah, a pretty convincing win for Magny. Uh, well-deserved. He's on his, I think he tied, uh, Matt Hughes, I think for the second most UFC, uh, welterweight win. So congratulations on that. Uh, the, the newly coined Haitian sensation. Uh, but, uh, yeah, solid win. Not the most memorable fight to be fair to both, to be fair, but, uh, look, Magny, he, He's been around. He's he's he he really put it. He really did well in the third round, and I think he uh, put a good put a good stamp on the fight at least. So good for him. And he doubled down. Wants to fight Michael Chiesa. I think that's an interesting fight. But we already know how Chiesa feels about this. He needs his gyms and all the stuff to open up. And I'm not sure what Washington State looks like right now in terms of restrictions and guidelines with COVID-19. But I'd be down for Magni versus Chiesa. That makes a lot of sense. But Sean O'Malley, what a performance! That knockout was sensational like the the setup the strike the way the fight ended he just walked off amazing but i don't know if i'll ever forget the image of eddie wineland's mustache like fluttering through the air (laughs) once he hit the mat i mean that was an incredible vision an incredible knockout huge win for sean o'malley he wanted to step up in competition he got a guy that was willing to give it to him and he delivered in a big way sugar show was on fire tonight uh, UFC 250, Alex Kaylee. Yeah, look, this was supposed to be a showcase fight for him. He's 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 said after, before the fight. He said after the fight, he's the best strike. He believes he's the best striker. I don't know if he said in all of MMA, but that's certainly the best striker at 135 pounds. And uh, he 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 took out Wineland. one one punch walk off KO. It was just a perfect moment. The the fluttering mustache will probably unfortunately become a meme, much like uh, Brendan Schaub uh, reaching for the uh, imaginary butterflies, or whoever you guys want to want to call that uh, that gif. But uh, yeah, it was it, it was exactly you know we talk about how Conor McGregor became a star. 
by capitalizing every moment he was given. It's like, oh, he has to perform in this moment. He has to hit this moment. O'Malley, his debut was great. Uh, he he uh, on the contender series, the Sukumtat fight, a little forgettable, but at, but the comeback against uh, was a Kinones, spectacular. The one punch knockout of a uh, tonight one time of a you know a former world extreme cage fighting champion, uh, one time UFC titles challenger Eddie Wineland, right on the money, perfect timing, uh, and it's a clip that they can replay forever. So this kid, I was skept- I was not a believer at first, but this guy is rising so fast, uh, absolutely a future star, and uh, based on social media buzz, everyone was talking about him. Maybe the most talked about fighter tonight. Well, it seems like his next matchup will be against the UFC to renegotiate his contract. Why would he, he do that? Do People so. don't have disagreements with the UFC. What are you talking about? The UFC and the fighters are in perfect lockstep these days. What? That's not perfect harmony. The fighters yeah. on the card, the fighters who weren't on the card, they're all yeah. getting along. They're all getting along. But perfect. He deserves to get paid. I'm sure he will get paid. Sean O'Malley even said at the press con- at his post fight media scrum that. Listen, I'm not asking for what John Jones and Jorge Masvidal are, are asking for. He goes, I'm not even asking for. As, as much as most of the guys fighting on this card are getting paid tonight. I just want a little bit more. He's on that contender series deal. He now has one fight left on his current contract. So I'm sure they're going to get this thing taken care of ASAP, especially with everything else going on with Connor and Mazadal and Jones and all that stuff. You got to keep this guy going. Where do you, where do you send him from here? Cause there's the argument that let's just, let's just shoot him up. Let's do what Connor did and just give him these big fights. And then the other option is, Let's just slowly continue to build him up and put him in these showcase spots, opening up a main card, co-main event on a fight night, maybe even headlining a fight night, something like that. So what makes sense? And I'm sure a lot of people might want to chime in on this as well who are watching. What do you do with Sean O'Malley? I think, uh, like we said, Stamen is a certainly certainly a possibility. Again, they're both in the winner's circle now. They're both uh, guys who are rising bantamweight contenders. I, I think they're probably, after tonight, still both uh, on the edge of the top 10. I don't know if they quite crack it, though they are very high on uh, on uh, O'Malley. They may want to push him in the top 10 now. We'll see. But uh, I, I don't know if I'd quite put him there. Uh I think we brought up this name. We brought up this name a bunch of times uh, since he had that close win recently. Song Yadong, I think, would be a fa- would be a very favorable matchup for him. It would be a stand up fight. Uh, I think O'Malley. I do think O'Malley at this point is a better fighter, but who knows? They're both prospects. Uh, if you're willing to put two prospects up against one another, that's certainly one way to go. And and that for me would a win there. I think would put uh, O'Malley in the top ten for me. I w- I wouldn't rush him up though. Again, like I said, the, that Garbrandt call out, eh, somewhat tempting. Here's here's my thought. And maybe I'm crazy for thinking this because it just literally popped in my head right now. Because I think I think he would take this fight. I think he would jump all over it. Sean O'Malley versus Uriah Faber. I thought of that as well. Do you think Uriah would? Uriah, th- I think he would take that fight. Faber has never uh, has never uh, been afraid to fight younger guys. He's never been afraid to give. I remember he fought uh, Alcantara when when he had no reason to do that. Uh, that was all to gain for Alcantara, and he beat him. Um, of course, he just fought Piotr Jan, another guy who, I mean, was trying to make his name off Faber, and Faber's like, "I'll just do it." Um, and Ricky Simone, you know, he fought Ricky Simone. There, there was nothing, you know, there was nothing to gain uh, from fighting Ricky Simone. Uh, he made a moment out of it by by getting a knockout, of course, but. You're right. He's really not afraid of these things. And the fact that O'Malley is kind of such a, a rising name now, he it does seem like the challenge, kind of challenge he would take, doesn't it? I like I like where your head's at on this one, Mike Heck. I like where your head's at. <laughs> I think that's the fight to make. I think Sterling, I, I think Faber takes that fight. I really do. For the, for the exact same reason. You could headline any card, any fight night card with that fight 
or a co-main event on a pay-per-view card, O'Malley versus Favor. I think Favor would jump all over it. O'Malley would love that opportunity. Of course, you got to renegotiate and make everybody happy, but there you go. Uh, we got a few more minutes. So if you guys got questions, thoughts, all that stuff, throw them out there. The truck will get them up on the screen. But uh, prelims, o- O'Malley versus Peter Piotrian from Richland Ford. Wow. Skip Sterling. Just do it. Just do Favre it. Yeah. wants that smoke. Yes. Yes, he does. <laughs> I think he would take that fight. Yeah. Prelims. Who are your prelim superstars, Alex? You had some great performances, and I'm going to shout out one that's going to get completely under the radar that no one's going to talk about. Ian Heinish, what a win considering the week he had and the months he had. And like I told Jeremy Mearshaw when I interviewed him yesterday, everything that happened was probably like the 2000th most most interesting day of his life (laughs) compared to everything else he's gone through. So to, to go through and have that performance, man, that was impressive. Who stuck out to you in the prelims? Yeah, huge win for Heinish. I mean, uh, look, he's got a he's got a great story. Uh, if you guys haven't read about it, please look up a, a, any number of articles that have been written about Heinish and uh, his his early days uh, go, being put in a, a international prison, a foreign prison and, and uh, turning his life around. So, uh, and it was a great win. He was coming off two losses and a guy like uh, Gerald Mearshot, Mearshart, not an easy win at all, uh, could easily have kept that losing streak going. So that was huge. Uh, a lot of names here. I'll, I will just shout out specifically a guy we've already mentioned a couple of times, Cody Stamen, competing under heavy cloud. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, he his 18-year-old brother, his younger brother, uh, did pass away recently. I believe it was last week, so the week before fight week. Uh, I have an older brother. I can't even imagine doing anything uh, of this intensity, of this uh, that requires a level of concentration. Um, I'm sure in some ways, uh, you know, a lot of athletes, when they suffer um, some sort of personal tragedy, it's an escape, you know, uh, it's a way to kind of maybe get their mind off of that personal problem for a bit. But regardless, you know, he had a heavy heart as soon as the fight was over, just in tears, you know, just in tears, his his brother, who was his uh, their other brother, who was also in his corner, just comes over to console him. It was a really, really uh, powerful moment. Uh, he was in tears after he was in tears during the interview. Totally understand. Just letting it go, you know, just letting it go after having to stay composed for almost the entire week. And he put on a great performance against Brian Kelleher. Brian Kelleher, all class, of course. Um, they, they, you know, they had a little. They chatted after, and uh, he Kelleher tweeted after, you know, good, you know, good for you, and uh, you know, con- condolences, of course. So, uh, Stamen, really great moment for him. But um, really. There's an any number of guys we could talk about uh, on this prelims. It, it, it feels like almost everyone who won in the prelims really took just another step up as far as recognition and uh, and the quality of their resume. Alex Perez. Yes. My guy. Oof. Got it done. On so the radar good. Friday the night. Man, he so delivered good. in a big way. And fortunately, not a lot of people are going to be talking about him considering how the rest of the card played out. But tremendous performance over Juicy Formiga. I like him. I like what he said at the post-fight press conference, stepping in, being ready, being an alternate for that vacant title fight. Or we do Brandon Moreno. I'm down for that fight a million times. That's just a sensational fight. Those are really the only two things that make sense at this point for Alex Perez after that great performance. And the other hero of the night, in my opinion, from the prelims, Devin Clark's dad, Mr. Clark. (laughs) Wow. He was was motivating. I was I I I seriously would buy anything he puts out. Anything, anything. <laughs> I don't was. care how much it costs. Hundred bucks, boom. Take my money, Mr. Clark. Yeah. You're amazing. He he needs to be mic'd up whenever you know. Whenever it gets to like uh, the back to normal crowds, we got to keep him mic'd up. We need that. We need that Devin Clark dad energy uh, on every broadcast. So we get a uh, parent coming through every single year. Like last <laughs> year was Tyron Woodley's mom after yes. the Kamara Usman 
fight. This year it's Mr. Clark. Mr. Clark is I don't even know what his first name is, but Mr. We will Clark find out. We will know from now on. He is now part of the MMA familia, so uh, welcome uh, Devin Clark's father. We didn't even mention Herbert Burns opening yes. this show with an 80-second submission of uh, of Evan Dunham. Evan Dunham's tough, you know? Uh, Herbert Burns, just amazing. Knocks out Nate Landwehr in his first his first career knockout. He knock, he knocks out Nate Landwehr. He's insanely tough. And then uh, he submits a, a long-time lightweight veteran uh, who's they met in a catchweight bout, but a long-time lightweight veteran Evan Dunham. So Herbert Burns is for real. Man, these Burns brothers are dangerous. Unreal. Back-to-back fights. Like, seriously, like one last fight from the last card, Burns beats Woodley. First fight of the next card, Burns beats Dunham. Unreal. What a run for the brothers. Alex Caceres gets a win tonight. Yes. Against uh, Chase Hooper. <laughs> as, as our own Jose Young's noted, well, I kind of told him, but I'll give him the credit for it. Uh, this was tw- uh, the 22nd UFC fight for Alex Caceres, and Chase Hooper's only 20 years old. So you guys do the math in your head to figure out how absurd that is. Uh, I'm one of the people who jumped on the Hooper bandwagon, even though every logical part of my brain was like, this guy has 21 UFC fights going to this, and he's facing a guy going to a second UFC fight. Is Chase Hooper that good? And the answer was uh, not good enough to beat Alex Caceres. You know, Caceres is, is, is such a sharp guy and he's seen it all. And uh, really uh, anyone with I should have known to, that he would he would pull out the pull out the win here because he looked great. Uh, Chase Hooper back to the drawing board, uh, though I was joking with uh, Damon that um, uh, they're probably going to match him up with like with Ronnie Yaya or John Dodson next just because he went he managed to go the distance. And I, I hope that's not the case. I hope they match him up with like another contender series person or something. But uh, Chase Hooper, you'll be fine. Back to the drawing board for young man. And congrats to Bruce Leroy. Edgy Braz, I was hoping here from Edgy Braz said Herbert Burns is a legit featherweight. He sure is. Uh, and then someone commented before, I think his name was Q, that uh, – I think it was Alex Perez versus Kai Kara France on Fight Island. And while I would love to see that fight, no offense to Kai Kara France, but Alex Perez, he's like a win away from a title shot. If not, like, there. Like, if Benavides or Figueroa can't make it to that fight, I think Perez is the guy to slide right in there. So, love to see the Kara France fight in the future. Did we not also have some Ryan Hall chatter tonight? Were people saying Ryan Hall? Herbert Burns. Herbert Burns? Oh, so many. Gosh, Ryan Hall versus anyone. It's just look at the look in your face. Love it. I'm like, blushing. You're like I think. dreaming right now. I think I'm blushing. I like the Bryce Mitchell matchup, though. Honestly, if we're There's choosing so between the two, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. There you go. What an event. UFC 250 is in the books, ladies and gentlemen. Alex, always a pleasure having you join me virtually alongside for this post fight show. It is officially, as we record right now, 3:36 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, from what I told from the truck, we are not done with our work yet tonight, Alex Kaylee. So <laughs> thank you for the time. Any parting words, any final thoughts on UFC 250 as a whole? Yes. Uh, just thank you, of course, to all the stream monsters who are watching now. Uh, again, you guys are crazy to, to stay up to this late and listen to us. Um, I'll say this was this was a really good night for Amanda Nunez. I know, again, it, it didn't surprise anyone how dominant she was, but... Her, her performance and her comments after and the kind of energy she brings, these are things that I really wish we would focus on more uh, when promoting MMA stars. And, and I, I get it. I get it. Uh, being nice and being all rainbows as has never been like a proven formula for creating a, you know, a mainstream combat sports star. But I feel like it would work for her. And I always wish the UFC had pushed that more. Um, has the ship sailed on her ever becoming this huge draw? 
it's very like we've been saying it's really very dependent on her finding a rival probably finding an opponent that can that can really build up a fight and be a, a you know a, a nemesis for her but otherwise i do feel like she could be bigger than um than people give her credit for and then the ufc uh, understands that she can be so great night for nunez and she should take all the time off she wants and congratulations for her on uh, becoming a mother Completely agree. And the one thing I will say is, first of all, shout out to Jose Young's once again, boots on the ground on location in Las Vegas. And number two, if you guys haven't seen it yet, I highly suggest that when you turn the stream off or turn this off, however you're watching or watching or listening, go back and watch Dana White's post fight press conference tonight. Something else. fired up, fired up. I've never seen Dana like that. He wasn't before. having He's it. He's been in some some crazy post fight media scrums. This was something else. He was all over the place, especially with the Connor news dropped like him. minutes before he got up there. <laughs> yeah, some of the media was like kind of. There were some softball questions there, like compliments, and he was still like on. The, he was too late. He was already on the defensive. So yeah, there was. Uh, I agree. Worth watching. They're still dropping f bombs, and they're like, "Dana, great job being on the front lines." And he's like, "Effing thank you, bro." <laughs> <laughs> But uh, it's just it's bald head. You know, that's what happens to us. But for Alex Kaylee, I am Mike Heck. Thank you guys for watching and listening. UFC 250 is in the books and we are out of here. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.